Hi, I'm Cardiff Garcia from FT Alpha Chat. On the show this week, I talked to the FT's U.S. Markets Editor Robin Wigglesworth and U.S. Economics Editor Sam Fleming about the Fed's big decision next week, whether or not to raise rates. Here's an excerpt from our chat. We hope you enjoy it. On September 17th, the Federal Reserve will decide whether or not to begin raising interest rates up from zero or more precisely from near zero, where they have been for roughly the last six years. But comments by Fed officials' recent turmoil in global financial markets and a contradictory mix of economic indicators have made it very hard to know whether the time is right. I'm joined in the studio by Robin Wigglesworth, the U.S. markets editor of the Financial Times. And on the line making his Alpha Chat debut is Sam Fleming, U.S. economics editor of the FT, which also makes him our Fed watcher in chief. Sam, your first time on the show, so you get to be put on the spot first. You recently wrote that essentially we can't know what the Fed's going to do just by looking at the relevant economic indicators. So why don't you take us through some of those indicators and what the Fed is saying about them? Yeah, the Fed has uh, consistently been saying it's data dependent, so it's going to look very strongly at the economic indicators, and that ought to give a pretty good guide as to how its policy is going to evolve. Unfortunately, as you said, Cardiff, the economic indicators have been fairly mixed. Uh, On the uh, activity side, you've had good, strong growth numbers. For instance, the second quarter growth figures were recently revised up to 3.7% annualized growth. That's a really good number. On the jobs uh, data, as we all know, the U.S. labor market is doing extremely well. Uh, Unemployment now half its uh, recession time peak of 10 percent. It's now 5.1 percent. That's very close, if not at the Fed's current assessment of where full employment is in the U.S. economy. And the Fed's models say that once you're at full employment, inflation and wages ought to follow down the line. So you should be thinking about starting to normalize monetary policy. The problem is set against that a very, very, very subdued inflation picture, persistent overestimates of inflation by the Fed in recent times, core inflation, which strips out food and energy, and it's the uh, measure the Fed looks very closely at, uh, is just 1.2%. That's well below the Fed's 2% target. It could indeed fall lower given the declines in oil prices we've had and other commodity prices recently. Uh, So there's some very mixed uh, signals for the Fed. On one side, they have this uh, employment goal, maximum employment. That seems to be nearly met. Inflation, on the other hand, really quite a long way off. It's a quick follow-up on that because you mentioned that the unemployment rate had now fallen to within the Fed's estimate for the sort of natural, the non-accelerating inflation rate of unemployment, the natural unemployment rate. But that is quite an amorphous figure, that estimate itself changes, it evolves over time. And I guess what I want to know is, to what extent do you think Janet Yellen is using some other complementary labor market indicators, such as wage growth, uh, in order to assess whether or not we're really at the point where low unemployment is going to lead to a lot of wage growth and subsequent inflation after that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. She does look at a whole range of labor market indicators, and there are clearly issues with using headline unemployment as your main indicator, given uh, it doesn't capture all the slack that there is in the labor market. There are plenty of people who are just not actively uh, listed as seeking work and therefore aren't counted as job seekers. Uh, If you include some of those people, an alternative measure of unemployment, they call the U6 measure, which includes, for instance, people who are working 
part-time but who say they'd like to work full-time, there is actually more slack in the labour market and that's one of the more difficult things that, and controversial things that Fed policymakers need to weigh up when they consider what to do with interest rates. Wages, as you alluded to, are extremely low, persistently low. Um, the ECI, which is one measure of wages, um, has remained lower than the Fed expected. Weekly earnings, which is the monthly reading that we get along with the labour market statistics, have also been very low, 2.2% annual rate of wage growth. When you talk to policymakers like John Williams at the San Francisco Fed, he says that uh, at a time of full employment, you'd expect uh, those measures to be going up 3 3.5%. So we're quite way behind that still. Robin, there's a kind of intriguing international dimension to what's happening right now and specifically to how it might affect what the Fed is planning on doing, not just next week, but in the months to come. We've obviously had a lot of recent markets turmoil, whether that's down to what's happening in China or other geopolitical issues. It's sort of an open question. But I guess what I want to ask you is whether or not the Fed should have a kind of cosmopolitan interpretation of what's happening here. Should the Fed be concerned with the fact that some of this turmoil has also affected U.S. markets? And should that have some kind of an impact on what it does next week? Well, I think they worry about markets. They possibly worry too much, but it's clear that they are extremely concerned about what happens internationally. I mean, the last time, let's say, take a Fed right hiking cycle in 1994, the rest of the developing world was around sort of 10, 15, 20%, depending on how you can calculate it, of global GDP. You know, the developing world now is over half the global economy. So what happened there, happens there clearly doesn't just stay there. So the U.S. economy is quite possibly strong enough that you know might not be dragged into recession if China and the rest of the developing world has a bit of a, a tough spot. But it's clearly not going to help. It's going to be a big headwind. And I think uh, Fed members in the market are certainly more concerned about what happens to the Chinese economy than w- what happens really to the Chinese stock market, which is a bit of a, frankly, you know, to put it kindly, a casino. Okay, I want to close with a final, very broad question, and it's for both of you, actually. It kind of seems like right now the big global forces are all disinflationary for the U.S. So stronger dollar, the productivity gains in shale, in the oil and commodity sector, and the broader slowdown in emerging markets growth as well, and obviously Europe remains quite stagnant. To what extent do you think this is going to affect monetary policy, not just in the next month or three months or whatever, because obviously there's a sense in which we're exaggerating the importance of whether or not they do it next week versus later versus, you know, six weeks or 12 weeks from now. But how is this going to affect monetary policy in the years to come? How does this overlap with other bigger themes of stagnation, whether that's secular stagnation, technological stagnation, whatever? How does monetary policy handle this? Sam, huge question. You're first. I suppose on one level you can see how the Fed uh, views the longer-term outcome from projections by the Fed's own policymakers, and those are that they think the terminal rate, the final rate they're going to end up on, is a lot lower than you would have expected in the past. So they're beginning to take on board these disinflationary forces, global disinflationary forces that you're talking about. At the same time, we have a Fed that's an institution which is driven by economic models. It takes these very seriously. It believes in the Phillips curve. It believes that uh, once you know we reach full employment, wages and inflation will follow. 
unfortunately the evidence is not there so far to support that contention in any way whatsoever. Um, so that's a bit of a problem for them. And they need to figure out how to balance these forces. I think, yeah, I mean, the, the supposition underlying your question is, will monetary policy have to remain looser than in the past for a longer period of time? Absolutely. I think that seems a, a fairly safe assumption. And really what the Fed is talking about is a very, very, very incremental tightening in monetary policy in the US. So, yes, I, I agree. These disinflationary forces, the, the kind of stagnation we're seeing, uh, the potential for the natural rate, the, you know, the natural rate which, uh, which is consistent, interest rate which is consistent with full employment and uh, stable inflation could be much lower than it was in the past. That certainly is a, an important view within the Fed as well, all leading us to, to believe that normalization such as it is will involve much lower interest rates in the past. Robin, equilibrium rates low forever or what? Well, okay, so to be sort of the devil's advocate, I'll take the other side of that then. I think people have a, t a tendency to over-extrapolate from the recent past. And frankly, for the past 20, 30 years, the path has been disinflation in the U.S. and globally, well, apart from the old spurts here and you know, the commodity super cycle. But I just don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that food prices start rising next year, oil prices goes up to 18, 90 bucks a barrel. And, you know, suddenly you have a bit of inflation. You have unemployment well below 5%, given that, you know, the economy is like a super tank. It takes time to turn around. So the unemployment rate in the U.S. is going to be heading down. You're going to have inflation above target. You're going to have some frothiness in financial markets. You know, maybe, let's say, people have ignored the first few rate hikes. I think the Fed could quite possibly go. I mean, the idea that interest rates will never go above 3.75% again sounds ridiculously complacent to me. Now, I'm not saying this is the most likely outcome, but I think that people are underestimating the chances that this isn't a new normal, this time isn't different, that we could very easily have a bit of an inflation spurt, and the Fed needs to jack up rates to five, six, seven, God forbid, Volcker-like levels at some point over the next few years. As with so many other things, some tension between the structural and the cyclical here. Robin Wigglesworth, U.S. Markets Editor Sam Fleming, U.S. Economics Editor, thanks to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. If you like that segment, you might want to subscribe to FT Alpha Chat, a podcast on business and economics from the Financial Times produced in New York. You can find it wherever you find FT Podcasts, and please let me know what you think. You can tweet me at Cardiff Garcia. Thanks so much. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.